Real Presence Live. It's this really powerful sense of, okay, you're seen, you're known, you're missed if you're not here. Local. It's that good crop of corn or beans or wheat or whatever it is that you do that, you know, you grow it, you grow it to the Lord, and if it doesn't come about, you just have to be patient and say, well, there's always next year. Engaging. Evangelization is the fruit of the love of God being poured into the hearts of Jesus' friends. Live. This is our charism, to be witnesses of Jesus' real presence in the Eucharist. Good morning, America! All 2.5 million of you, welcome back to the Sons of Thunder show. I'm Father Justin Wall. And I'm Father Josh Wall. And we are the Sons, Sons of Thunder! We have an incredible show this morning. We are live from Lake Isabel, looking out over the beautiful lake, even though the weather is awful. We're uh, indoors right now. You just uh, never know, everybody, where you're going to find the Sons of Thunder. Last time we were at Schweitzer's Butcher Shop eating Wagyu, uh, whatever it was. It was delicious. And now we're out here looking at the lake. We want to thank Todd Porter for the use of his beautiful home and many others who are... uh, Lending their homes to all of our seminarians. How many do we have now, Father 20, Josh? 21. 21 guys out here of the highest quality you can imagine, folks. If that doesn't give you hope, I don't know what does. So we're going to have them on a little bit later, along with the assistant vocation director who's with us this morning, <laughs> Father Jordan Dosh. But to begin with, we will start with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord God, we lift up this time on the air to you. We pray especially for all those who are listening, who are suffering in any way this day, that you would come into their lives with the graces that they need. We ask that you would open the hearts of all who are listening, and that you would open our hearts that we may speak your will for the glory of your name and for the salvation of our souls. And we entrust this time to the intercession of Our Lady as we pray together. Hail Mary, full full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And now it's time for the best part of the show, everybody's most favorite segment, when we hand it over first to preview the show to the production assistant, Eli. Everybody's favorite time. (laughs) Oh boy, quite the introduction today. (laughs) Alright, here's what's coming up on this morning's show First up, we'll find out what's on the mind of the Diocese of Bismarck's Bishop David Kagan As we start off crushing it with Kagan And have you heard about the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary? What does it mean for Our Lady to have assumed into heaven and why do Catholics believe that? We'll discuss this very topic as we visit with Bishop John Lavore of the Diocese of New Ulm you listen to him every morning on Morning Glory with Gloria Purvis, and now he's coming back to Bismarck for the Thirst 2019 Eucharistic Conference. We'll hear from Deacon Harold Burke Sivers as he pre- previews this his upcoming visit to the area. That and a whole lot more coming up this morning on Real Presence Live. Father? All right, thanks, Eli. Now we're going to get to the most important part of the show that there is. Everybody, please join us because it's Crushing It with Bishop Kagan! How can you not love this segment? <laughs> Honestly, I can hear good. through the the you know the many state area. Everybody just got a lot happier, and everybody's really excited. And we don't let you down because the bishop doesn't let you down. And not only is he crushing it every single time, but we also pick topics 
uh, that to crush, are, are, to crush, <laughs> and that are sent, and that are center. Uh, I think in the lives of the Catholic faithful that people are wondering about, and we're not. Uh, this this show is no exception. Uh, we're going to talk this morning a little bit, everybody, about the Amazoni, Amazonian uh, synod that's coming up here in October. So, before we get rolling here, I want everybody to uh, you know. Twitter out or get on your Facebook, you know, text out and invite everybody. Tweet, tweet, tweet. Yeah. tweet. Twitter I'm, out. I'm not from today, as Father Vetter would say. <laughs> but anyway, uh, get on your social media platform, make a couple calls, and uh, tell people to tune in to Real Presence Live, Sons of Thunder. Secondly, because this show uh, not only has seminarians, but we're going to be talking about the synod, we're going to be talking about a lot of hot topic issues. Um, we have Straight Talk coming up uh, after this segment, so I already, I already want you to get your questions ready. Uh, that number, where is that number? That number is one eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two one eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. Or you can Facebook in. You can do that right now, so that you know. A lot of the times, you know, we get backed up with questions. Uh, and, and we, we just always get backed, get backed up, up with questions. questions. But, you know, we, uh, we want to answer all those questions. So if there's anything even in the Amazonian Synod uh, that you're thinking to yourself, well, what about this or what about that, uh, <laughs> then please just fire that in and we'll answer that a little bit They might later. not even okay. know what the Amazon Synod is. I think there's anybody who is tuned in to, to the Catholic Church knows that it's coming and they're going to know about the hot topic issues. So before we get to those, first, Bishop, could you just tell us what uh, a synod uh, in 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 the sense of the larger church and maybe even the local church like the one we had looks mm-hmm. like? A synod is a uh, it can be uh, a diocesan synod as we had uh, in 2016, which is a uh, gathering under uh, the authority and the direction of the diocesan bishop. Uh, of clergy, religious, and the lay faithful uh, to discuss or to uh, work on specific uh, issues or a single issue. A a synod, as we uh, see coming up uh, in October, now this is different than the uh, uh, regular synod of bishops, uh, which happens, uh, I think it's every two to three years uh, called by the Holy Father uh, for uh, the entire church. Uh, the Holy Father, of course, is the uh, is supreme legislator. He can uh, call meetings, synods, whatever, uh, as he sees fit and necessary. Uh, this one he's calling specifically uh, for the Amazon Basin, the bishops, and other representatives uh, from that region, which you have to look at the map of South America. You have Brazil, uh, the Amazon uh, River, and its river basin, that rainforest. It's just gigantic. Uh, He's calling a synod to address uh, not only church but social issues in this particular uh, area, and that's... um, uh, it, what will result from that uh, will be a uh, an apostolic letter uh, of one kind or another that will be specific to the issues the synod was to address and specific to that area. Uh, what will be in that letter will also be useful. Uh, it 
uh, it, it won't be binding on uh, the universal church, but it will be useful uh, for uh, the rest of the church uh, to address issues that might be similar in nature. Uh, I know the big thing in the secular media and some of the uh, more uh, fringe Catholic uh, media they're all hot to trot over uh, ordaining married men and discussing uh, the possibility of women being ordained deacons. Well, Two hot topic issues yeah, right well, there. Well, <clears throat> you know, and the way it's presented, like, this has never been discussed before. Could right? you, could you... you know? uh, wait, wait, uh, before uh, that, so when I was, I met a couple missionaries that went down to the Amazon. They did, mm -hmm. like, a three-week trip, and they just went down the river. <clears throat> yeah. so that's the only means of transportation. And they would go to these, and I think this is part of the reason of the Amazon Synod was, as they went there, they would they would get to these you know places that had never yeah. heard of New York City, had never right. heard of Taylor Swift, which they might be blessed because of that, yeah. but <clears throat> and they, had never heard of Christianity. No, 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 no. They had Christianity, um, but what had happened is, is they had seminarians that were ministering to him because a priest would only come like once every two months. Yeah, and so that. I th I don't know. You could you could argue that there's two agendas maybe going on here. Mm. One that's saying, "Hey, we really need to get the sacraments to these people." The other one is maybe you know trying to push a more progressive agenda. Yeah. The, 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 the stat, just so everybody listening knows, in this particular area, it's one cat or ten thousand Catholics to every one priest. Right. So there definitely is a concern. But maybe you could just speak real quickly to the fact that. You know, there's the celibate Roman Catholic priesthood, but even mm. within the Roman Church, there have been married priests. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, you see, celibacy is a discipline uh, that the Church itself enacted uh, under Pope Innocent III at the Third Lateran Council. And it was because, uh, at least in the Western Latin Rite, the clergy was so corrupt uh, they were passing parishes on to children and grandchildren. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Attend a Catholic United Financial Workshop with Brian Zitzman, your local Catholic United rep on end-of-life issues from a Catholic perspective. Our speakers will discuss Catholic Church teachings on health care directives, protecting human dignity, and end-of-life financial issues. The free workshops will be at 7 p.m. on August 20th at St. Clara Parish in Clara City, August 28th at St. Joseph Parish in Montevideo, and September 4th at St. Andrew Parish in Granite Falls. Text WORKSHOP to 1-800-568-6670 to save your seat. Are you thirsting for God's love, His mercy, His forgiveness? You'll find that and so much more at the Thirst 2019 Eucharistic Conference at the Bismarck Events Center, Friday, October 25th through Sunday the 27th. Guest speakers include Dr. Edward Sree, Deacon Harold Burke-Sivers, Curtis Martin, and Kendra Tierney. Daily Mass, Adoration, and Confessions are available during the conference. Register now online at bismarckdiocese.com slash thirst2019 and download the Thirst app. One of the things that I see happen is, let's say somebody's been listening to the radio and they pick up an idea, they then sit down with their friends at coffee or 
over cookies and bars, whatever, and they're talking about it and that item, then they say, well, let's call Father and get a little, let's double check that. Let's get a little deeper view on it. But also, when it comes to the events, for example, we have a group here and they look at the faith and then they move deeper into it. What is the reason for this? Why do we Catholics believe this? And as that group has grown, they've brought others in. They've talked about it. They're reaching out. And it actually evolved into a street ministry where they stood down by Paul and Babe with a cart, with some books, with some medals, with some rosaries, and they encountered people on the street. I was very impressed with that. Very impressed that our people would move forward. Our Bible studies become stronger as people hear the word and then they share it with one another. Real Presence Radio wants to honor our fathers. As Catholics, we see our priests as spiritual fathers. We have so many great priests in our listening area who model and guide us to a closer relationship with our Heavenly Father. Each week on Real Presence Live, we will honor our spiritual fathers with a dozen donuts donated by a local business to share with their staff. And of course, a good father would want to share. Let us know who you would like to honor. And each week, we will draw a name to share stories of great spiritual fathers. Visit yourcatholicradiostation.com to honor your father today. Broomtree Retreat Center near Irene, South Dakota will be offering an inner healing retreat October 11th through the 13th with Jane Bars and Mike Schneider of the Matthew Ministry. This retreat, which begins Friday evening and ends Sunday afternoon, offers hope and freedom to those seeking a way out of hurt and sorrow. For more information about the ministry, visit thematthewministry.com. To register for the retreat, call 605-263-1040 or register online at broom-tree.org. Choose the number one nursing program in the nation at the University of Mary. The University of Mary is ranked number one out of more than 2,000 nursing programs nationwide. 100% of our graduates pass their certification on the first try. And University of Mary scholarships give you your senior year free. Choose the best nursing program in the nation, University of Mary. Check us out at umary.edu nurses. Attend a Catholic United Financial Workshop with Brian Zitzman, your local Catholic United rep on end-of-life issues from a Catholic perspective. Our speakers will discuss Catholic Church teachings on health care directives, protecting human dignity, and end-of-life financial issues. The free workshops will be at 7 p.m. on August 20th at St. Clara Parish in Clara City, August 28th at St. Joseph Parish in Montevideo, and September 4th at St. Andrew Parish in Granite Falls. Text WORKSHOP to 1-800-568-6670 to save your seat. Hello, I'm Linda Baldwin with the Mustard Seed Catholic Store here in Sioux Falls. We are now open, 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. Monday through Friday and 9 to 5 on Saturdays. We're located at 3709 South Grange, just west of Costco. We stock Catholic books, artwork, saint medals, rosaries, Bibles, parish supplies, plus Mystic Monk coffee and gifts for those special occasions like baptisms, First Communion, and Confirmation. I look forward to your visit to the Mustard Seed Catholic Store here in Sioux Falls. Are you thirsting for God's love, His mercy, His forgiveness? You'll find that and so much more at the Thirst 2019 Eucharistic Conference at the Bismarck Event Center, Friday, October 25th through Sunday the 27th. Guest speakers include Dr. Edward Sree, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers, Curtis Martin, and Kendra Tierney. Daily Mass, Adoration, and Confessions are available during the conference. Register now online at bismarckdiocese.com slash thirst2019 and download the Thirst app. Dr. Ray Garendi. When I've had enough. 
I ask parents, when do you decide to discipline? One of the most common answers is, when I've had enough. If discipline is designed to teach, then we need to discipline before we've had enough. We need to discipline because the behavior's wrong, not because emotionally it's pushed us to our edge. Besides, when you get to when you've had enough, you're much more likely to yell and scream and say things that you have to go to confession for. So, the suggestion is, discipline out of principle, not emotion. Principle means because it needs discipline and I'm gonna do it when I'm calm. Emotion means I'm going to be moved to do it just because I'm mad. Built Upon a Rockfest has partnered with Rugged Rosaries for another giveaway. Nine rosaries will be given away, one each week, leading up to the concert on September 14th. These rosaries are beautiful and extremely rugged. The quality is unmatched. For a chance to win, simply like Built Upon a Rockfest posts on Facebook and Instagram. Each like gets you a chance to win. Full giveaway details can be found at builtuponarockfest.com. Good luck, and don't forget to mark your calendars for Built Upon a Rockfest on September 14th. This is Real Presence Live, where the devil is dumb, Christ is king, and the Catholic faith is taking the place of secular living as the lifestyle of choice. Please not. All right, welcome back, everybody. We're back online. I'm Father Justin Waltz. I'm Father Joshua. And we are the Sons of Thunder. All right, well, we're back with... Crushing it with Bishop Kagan. We got cut off. Uh, oh, that was a cool. Great then we got we got a new we got a new sound effect. We crushed something. Just got crushed. <laughs> something just got crushed. But anyway, so we were in the midst of a great uh, conversation for those of you who are tuned in uh, with Bishop Kagan regarding the Amazonian Synod, and we were talking about uh, they the, the fact that they are looking at a a type of married priesthood. Uh, because of the ten thousand, because to one and I ratio. think it cut off right when it was. We were saying that it's uh, one priest every ten thousand Catholics. Bishop, you were just getting into the fact that there okay. is uh, ordained clergy and has been ordained clergy, uh, and it's a discipline versus a doctrine. Right. Uh, so to say that you know this would be a tremendous change in the church is just false. Right. Uh, there have been uh, married. Uh, priests with families uh, who have functioned very well uh, in the church. Uh, for the most part, they have been converts from uh, another denomination. However, uh, it's an entirely different thing. Uh, it, it, there's been kind of a, a, a fictional uh, scenario created over time uh, that at one time in the early church there were deaconesses. Right, and that's, that's the second major yeah, issue that they're that's doing. That's not true. Okay. Uh, it, because uh, that would strike at the heart of our doctrine uh, of not only the priesthood instituted by Jesus Christ, but also uh, it strikes at <clears throat> the uh, doctrine of the church itself. Uh, and uh, the there, you know, it, these things can be talked about. It's not heresy to talk about them, but uh, it, it doesn't go beyond that because, uh, as Saint John Paul II 
said so clearly, so beautifully, and definitively when the issue of, of women priests kept surfacing, he finally put it to rest, at least for every sane person, when he said, uh, the church is not qualified to change what it did not establish. Now, any person, you know, who understands uh, Catholic doctrine understands what he's saying, that since the Church didn't create the sacred priesthood, Jesus Christ did, and he did it with men only, no one on earth can change that. Like any other sacrament. Yeah, we cannot uh, change anything uh, about the matter and form of the seven sacraments because we didn't create them. God did. Now I want and to stop so, you there just for one second, Bishop, because I think the people really need to understand this. If it's if, it, if a synod, I, I think even the Holy yeah. Father himself, like no one can change this. No, you can't change it. So the because, media can say what they want. Yeah, I, this I, can't who be cares changed. what the media I was says. They did in the you know. 70s. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> With the mass, they changed a few things. But, you know, uh, it, the... That's the difference. You know, everybody's getting all worked up over the Amazonian Synod. Well, you know, some of the things discussed have been discussed from uh, early times in the church. Nothing but new. Si- yeah, but since just because you discuss things doesn't mean anything is going to change. Uh, could the Holy Father change the discipline of celibacy? He certainly can. But can he uh, order that women be ordained deacons or priests? Absolutely not. Exactly. And that's a and good. And the Holy Spirit preserves the church from error. Exactly. But again, you've got the elites in the secular media who, you know, uh, think they're smarter than everybody else and so they they this is all sensational for them and it'll sell airtime and newspapers maybe but you know ultimately they end up looking like idiots because it's that's not going to happen yeah and i think that's good for people to hear because the, we're living in times right now where everybody it's it, it is sensationalism people get shaken so easily oh yeah you know so it's one thing when you're dealing with the political environment we're in but when you take that into the bedrock of people's faith which is the one last stable area of their life and now all of a mm-hmm. sudden people are sitting back thinking well you know what's going on in the church yeah. these are just issues that a lot of the times you know even the secular media doesn't even understand the doctrine no. behind these things and so they yeah. grab onto it the synod what everyone you know, needs totally to understand lost. with the secularists is they not only don't understand the catholic church they don't care that they don't understand the <laughs> right. catholic church
If you're having a difficult day or need some support, log on to your CatholicRadioStation.com and click on Prayer Requests. From here, we invite you to send us your prayer needs so we can pray specifically for those intentions. And if you have time, scroll down on the homepage to personally pray for the needs of other members of the RPR family. Visit your CatholicRadioStation.com and click on Prayer Requests. You can also send intentions to us from the main screen of our app. We're blessed to be able to join you in prayer. Real Presence Radio wants to honor our fathers. As Catholics, we see our priests as spiritual fathers. We have so many great priests in our listening area who model and guide us to a closer relationship with our Heavenly Father. Each week on Real Presence Live, we will honor our spiritual fathers with a dozen donuts donated by a local business to share with their staff. And of course, a good father would want to share. Let us know who you would like to honor, and each week we will draw a name to share stories of great spiritual fathers. Visit yourcatholicradiostation.com to honor your father today. 60 on 10 with Monsignor Charles Pope. The second commandment, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. The disclosure of a name in the ancient world belonged to the order of trust and intimacy. And so when God revealed his name to Moses, it was an extraordinary outreach to us, uh, saying uh, that we were called to an intimate, trusting relationship with him. And so we should always reverence this name as a great, great gift. We should obviously never use God's name to curse or to blaspheme or to berate others. That's wholly inappropriate. God's name is meant to bring blessing. And likewise, the vain use, vain means empty. And uh, so some of these expressions like, oh my God, or, you know, and so on, uh, need to be avoided as well. Vain means empty, and those are using God's name as an empty kind of expression of exasperation. And then finally, never ever to use God's name to swear an oath falsely. The second commandment, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. EWTN, live truth, live Catholic. Dr. Ray Garendi. When did you come to the faith? I came to the faith when my kids were teenagers or when they were grown. That's a source of guilt. Why couldn't I come to the faith so I could raise them in the faith? Okay, be grateful that you came to the faith when you did. The timing is not always ours. Now, since you're deeper in the faith, You can do one thing that you wouldn't have done before. You can pray for the children. Be grateful that you came to the faith at some point. Let the children see what mom is like now, what dad is like now, compared to how they were raised before mom or dad came to the faith. Not a source of guilt, source of gratitude. You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. You can't keep a good man down. I'm Father Justin Waltz. I'm Father Josh Waltz. Brothers in blood. Brothers in the priesthood. And we are crushing it with Bishop Kagan. Kagan. Still crushing it with Bishop Kagan. Sorry, we got got dropped, everybody. We're out of the lake. The good news is that, I mean, as long as we stay connected now, we don't have to have any breaks. Right, exactly. We just keep rolling. So you just get you just get more sons of thunder. That's all. Holy talk radio, megaphone of the Holy Spirit, bringing you the good news rather than the fake Fake news. news. All right, so 
We just got done talking about uh, women's ordination. Bishop crushed it by saying that's totally impossible. <laughs> that, yeah, talking about uh, a little bit about the the married priesthood, which again, Bishop crushed, crushed it. that as well. And, and uh, it's a discipline, not a doctrine. It, maybe it's needed there. The synod will talk about it. Don't worry about it. Celibacy is not going away. I do want to address one thing because if you if you read. Uh, how do I pronounce it? Instrumentum laborum? Instrumentum laborum. Could you explain what that actually is to the reader? It's an outline. Uh, the Holy See consults uh, with bishops. Uh, if for this, it would have been all the bishops uh, of the region who are coming to this synod. Uh, getting ideas, uh, they'll collate it all, put it into somewhat of an outline and uh, outlined in readable form uh, and then uh, attached to it for instance references from other uh, council documents uh, the encyclicals of various popes apostolic letters and exhortations and then send uh, this document to all the bishops and the others who are invited to the synod uh, as kind of the basic talking points uh, so that they come uh, prepared uh, to address you know what's in this uh, work uh, the instrument uh, instrumentum laboris is like a working document yeah. uh, now, once there, the Holy Father can change that if he wants. He can drop things, whatever. But that's what they'll be working off of. They may not cover everything on it, uh, but that's what that is. And I think, you know, this isn't, the, the instrument isn't doctrine. It's just the no, group of people that write it. No, it's just an outline and... Yeah, right, exactly. So, well, everybody, we apologize for getting dropped a couple of times, but we thank our good bishop of the Diocese of Bismarck, Bishop Kagan, for being on the show where he crushed it. Yeah. All right. <laughs> thank you, Dang Bishop. It. We got to work on that. We will see you next month, and I think we're going to continue to talk about these issues. Safe as we travels, move Bishop. Forward. Safe travels back to Bismarck. Everybody, we are moving in to Straight that segment talk with Jump Brothers. Yeah. Oh yeah. What's up, everybody? everybody we want you. To, you want this? We want. <laughs> we want you to call one eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. That's one eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. Or you can get on Real Presence Facebook page and dial it on in with a question or two that we will answer in this Straight Talk segment. We are joined uh, here at Lake Isabel, uh, the Porter Cabin, with 21 seminarians of the Diocese of Bismarck, which will be on uh, Straight Talk with the brothers again uh, uh, during this segment. So if you have any questions for seminarians that you're wondering about that you want to ask. We're just going to randomly uh, pull them we're, on. We're going to pull them on one by one. They're, everybody's itching to get on the segment. And then we are joined by the new assistant, newly appointed assistant voter of the Diocese of Bismarck, Father... Brother Dash, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for it's having me. It's good to have you on, and um, I think we're just gonna we're just gonna move right into we're it. Right so, in. I want to pick up 
uh, where we left off a little bit, and we can address some of this, uh, the questions that will be coming in as they come in. But uh, as a talking points for uh, this particular segment, um, a little bit about what's going on with this uh, Amazonian Citadel again with these hot topic issues. And I want to say straight out to all of you listening, no matter what might seem to be the going narrative right now in the church, uh, the present generation of priests, along with the coming generation of priests, not only supports celibacy, loves celibacy, loves the celibate priesthood, but is also very happy uh, in their celibacy. So this concept that's really left over, as the bishop said, from the 1970s, uh, that in some way, you know, we're white-knuckling our celibacy and just can't wait for this synod to come through so we can get married. Oh, yeah. Is, a, is, 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 is totally off. That is not, uh, you know, where priests are at right now. That is not where seminarians always, always are at right now. Pe- Wouldn't pe- you say that? Yeah, I mean, I always hate, too, when people come up to me and they're like, don't you think pre- priests should be married? And I'm like, no. I mean, that's, when I, I, that, I got ordained knowing I'm not going to be married, and that's fine with that. I prayed through that, and I'm happy as a priest. And, I mean, I think a lot of stats right now show that priests who are celibate, who pray, that is a big thing, who pray, uh, that they they have very fulfilled, happy lives. I, maybe, oh, we, look at the, we just have a question. Terry from Minot, how did the assumption become a holy day, and how does it affect our lives? Also, what does the word seminarian mean, and where did it come from? Thank you, Terry. Uh, I'm going to toss that off to Father Josh. Yeah, well, here. Well, I mean, we'll, uh, <clears throat> uh, you know, that, that's a really good question. Uh, what does the word seminarian mean? Let's start there. We're gonna we're gonna look that up. I actually, know, <laughs> hey, he's the vocation director, but I know what it means. Seminarian is derived from the seminary. That reminds me of that Chris that Chris Farley deal where he was like. The Nino is Spanish <laughs> no, no, for... No, hold on, hold on. We have somebody... The Nino. We got Ben Warner. He is a linguist. Linguist, okay. So, Mr. Ben Warner, seminarian in the Diocese of Bismarck. Answer the uh, question. straight talk. What does seminarian mean? Yeah, it's, it's pretty simple. It uh, just comes from the Latin... <laughs> Why? Hey, you're making us look dumb. <laughs> it just comes from the Latin word, seminarium, uh, which simply means um, nurturing garden. So it's similar to the word... Uh, semen in Latin, which means like seed. So the image that the church uses uh, for seminary formation is as if, uh, so just like in a garden, things grow slowly and they kind of uh, blossom and there's fruit over time. Um, so too, uh, we kind of have a long form of uh, formation where we kind of, in the silence, we grow in the garden, in the nurturing garden of the church so that we can blossom and uh, bear fruit for the rest of the world. So and he... Gave it to us straight. All right. Well, it made us look good, man. That's what I was no, thinking. No, it made you us know? look I mean, terrible. I was thinking that, you know, like seed beds. Seminary I mean. comes from <laughs> seminary. Yeah, it comes from. One who goes to the seminary. seminary. All right. Qu- good question number Thank two. You, ben Warner. I think I need to go back to seminary. My education is waning. Uh, how did the assumption become a holy day? Because it did. <laughs> no. Uh, it was the assumption. Holy day, for, first off, the assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary uh, is is a doctrine, obviously, um, and the Church <laughs> decides uh, basically within our doctrines of of the Lord and the Blessed Virgin Mary, and sometimes uh, extremely important saints, uh, the different level of feast uh, that it's going to be celebrated with liturgically, and really, and we've sort of lost this in the in the modern Church, but. 
you know, how that actually would spill into our lives. I remember, remember Father Nick Fetterspield? He said, I if think- you just lived your life via the liturgical calendar of the church, it's the most balanced possible life that you could live. Yeah, it's you actually, fast when you fast, you right. feast when you feast. And live normally on normal days. And so I just fast, uh, feast all the time. They're, they're, right, that's our problem. <laughs> We're feasters. Uh, not creasters, feasters. Um, but anyway, so the assumption would be of the level of feast day that we call uh, uh, an obligatory solemnity. So like, like a Sunday, every single Sunday uh, is a holy day of obligation, hence missing Sunday Mass is, is a mortal sin. So the church herself then liturgically will raise particular feasts, such as uh, the assumption based upon a doctrinal statement, um, you know, to that same type of obligatory day, which everyone, if you're not aware of it, this coming Thursday, August 15th, uh, is the Feast of the Assumption, which is a holy day of obligation. Uh, the next day, August 16th, is my birthday. Also, and that always is a holy day of obligation. <laughs> you can go to church and pray, pray for, for the elder thunder. Uh, anyway, so hopefully, think, the, I, yeah, you want to add to yeah, that? I'm just going to add a little. I mean, just a little teaching moment of the Blessed Virgin Mary. So, Father Josh Eli, I think, came up with this. Maybe not, but this is where I learned it from. The, the, the four dogmas of the Blessed Virgin Mary come under the, the acronym of DIVA. Right? So you have D is divine motherhood, so mother of God. I, immaculately conceived. V, perpetual virgin. And A is assumed into heaven. So if you ever need an acronym to remember, you know, the great singers, the divas, the diva of all divas is the Blessed Virgin Mary. And in that acronym are actually the four titles, uh, the four dogmas of Our Lady. Hey, we got Pete from Mandan with a hot topic issue. He says... Can I attend a non... Oh, Pete, hey, what's up, man? You're on the phone. I missed that. How you doing today? Doing good. Pete. All right. Hey, Pete, I know Pete. Pete's my parishioner, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah! St. Joe's! So, Pete, what's your question for us? Give it to us straight. I've, uh, I've uh, been invited and attended two weddings this summer, um, uh, uh, Catholic and... Uh, a non-Catholic, one in a Lutheran church and one in one of these wedding settings out in the countryside. And uh, at both weddings, uh, there were questions, uh, people talking in small groups, uh, should we really be here? And and uh, we don't really feel comfortable were some of the comments and what is right and what is wrong with attending one of these? Are we endorsing not being married uh, by a priest and all of those sort of questions and and it's just been bugging me enough that I thought I wanted to call in and and uh, see what uh, the sons of thunder have to say about this. <laughs> well, we appreciate your question. I just need one clarification from you, Pete. Were the weddings between two Protestants? Second scenario: Were they weddings between a Protestant and a Catholic? And in third, which the Catholic left the faith. In which the, and the right. third would be, you know, because you can get married outside the church with permission of the diocesan bishop uh, to a non-Catholic, but there's a whole process involved to, uh, to you know, to, to make that wedding, to validate that wedding. And so could you just zero in, hone in a little bit on the, on the particulars of, of the specifics of those weddings? Each, each wedding, uh, one was a Catholic and and the as far as I know, one definitely is still a practicing Catholic, and I'm not sure on on the other one. So most of them are they were they're, they're Catholic. They left the faith to get married in the Protestant Church. 
Yeah, yeah. I would say they still seem seem to be going to church, but um, um, just whether or not that wedding is legitimate. So I'll say this to to all the listeners out there: in the first case scenario of uh, a Catholic and a non-Catholic getting married in a Lutheran church, that particular scenario, if that couple, aka the Catholic, went through the right channels, meaning that they met with their pastor. They had Catholic formation. The diocesan bishop uh, gave permission for this wedding, for, for, for starters, for them to marry a Catholic, a non-Catholic, and then also for the wedding to take place outside the church. Uh, that would be a valid marriage. Now, in that particular process, the Catholic party has to promise before God that they will raise the children Catholic. Uh, but if all of that takes place, you, in fact, can get married in a Protestant church is key to that to a non-Catholic, and it's a valid wedding in front of a pastor, and you don't need a priest there because the couple is the one actually uh, uh, working the sacrament. The second one, Pete, uh, I'm going to just take a wild guess, not a wild guess, I'm going to say for certain that that was an invalid marriage because uh, within the process that the church offers, you're not going to be allowed to get married outside an actual physical church. Uh, and there's a lot of reasoning be- behind that. But so a lot of couples, even, you know, two Catholic couples will come and they'll be like, you know, we want to get married out at, you know, the lake, for example, where we're at right now. Or our cousin actually just got married at her farm, um, which is a good thing for us to reference. We also had, a, you know, a, a, a cousin get married, you know, on the, outside, beach. Uh, on the beach. And then the other one was in a Lutheran church, but it wasn't sanctioned. So in the case of all three of those weddings, when this is a good place to begin, uh Father Josh and I um, were not allowed via the code of canon law. So this is, you know, doctrine in the church. We are prohibited as priests, family or not, from uh, going to those weddings, whether we're involved in them or not, because we're official ministers of the church. So I start with that with, with the regular Catholic. If the priest is not allowed to go to the wedding, then it automatically, you know, <clears throat> falls into place that the lay faithful are also not allowed to go to those weddings. And so the question would be, well, why? Okay, Because, you know, this is the, the great mantra now in the society. Well, you know, you, you're going to ruin the special day. You know, that's not very loving. I thought you were supposed to be following Jesus. You know, and, and, and my response is, okay, if this is an invalid marriage, then we are not standing with this couple before God saying, you know, Everybody's happy, and we're you know we're we're celebrating the fact that that these two are becoming one. They're not becoming one. They're not doing anything. It's an affront to God because it's not sacramental, and especially with the Catholic Party, they therefore are in an invalid marriage. Uh, assumingly, they're now moving in together. Uh, they're now going to have conjugal relations uh, with within their invalid marriage, which is which is you know not approved. It's fornication. And so we're literally standing up celebrating an invalid marriage that's displeasing to God that's going to result in the couple being in the state of mortal sin, which automatically assumes that if they die in the state of mortal sin, they're not going to heaven. So we are celebrating on that day their potential damnation, and that's what we're calling love. That's not love at all. As a matter of fact, that, that, that's you know, not only sacrilegious, uh, but it's sinful to do something like that. I, what was the I, you know what I hate Thomas to... Beckett when he was like, would would you stand with no, me? Thomas More. Thomas More. How does that saying mm. go? Uh, he said he's like because because this King is under Henry VIII. But King Henry VIII wanted him to to say it was okay for him to be in his invalid marriage, and Thomas wouldn't. And the Duke came to him and 
he had already signed the petition for Henry VIII, and then he said to Thomas, and he said, Thomas, just sign it for fellowship's sake. And then Thomas looks at him and he says, and when I go to hell for following my conscience and you go to heaven for following yours, will you come with me for fellowship's sake? Right. Exactly. <laughs> so This is a great the, line of the movie. The real loving thing to do, Pete, is to sit down with this couple and say, you know, we, I, and this is what we did in our family. So uh, the, the fact of the matter is is that we have lived this, and it, it, it has caused division in our family. And, Tremendous and, division. And the thing but, is, too, is when people say, when they're like, why are you ruining the day? I'm like, no, you ruined the day. Right. This when is you your left the choice. church, you yeah, ruined the day. Exactly. And I, I'm not coming to this because, because I love you. And my absence will tell you that this is not something that you should be doing. And when you want to do it correctly, then, in fact, uh, you know, we're, we're happy to come, which is what we've said even in our own family. Father Dosh. Yeah. Let me just clarify two things that our society puts forward, two lies that are uh, gravely immoral for us to understand. The first is that if I disagree with you, that means that I hate you. <laughs> right. And the other one is that if I agree with you, that means that I love everything about you, whereas it's actually more responsible for me to admit when something is going wrong in your life. And that's a greater sign of my love for you. So, I mean, if you're a habitual liar, it's good for me to be able to condemn that. And we actually grow in a deeper friendship. So in these cases, you know, you disagreeing with them doesn't mean that you hate them. You, You can still love them, but it's, you know, Loving this sin or hating this sin. The fact of the matter is if we had more conversations like that, I think the society would be a whole heck of a lot better off. Everybody, we are giving it to you straight on Straight Talk with the Brothers. It's one 877 Or you can get online and get to or online to the Facebook of the Real Presence Radio site. Uh, and you can just type in a question if you're a person that doesn't want to get on the air live. Uh, we were tempted even to send out our cell phone numbers. Uh, to, you could text it in, but maybe next time. Anyway, we'd love to hear from you. We've got questions coming in. Uh, we were just talking to Pete. I don't think Pete's still on the phone, but Pete, thank you uh, for your very, very good question. But I want to definitively tell everybody listening right now, the, 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 very simply, because that was a very complicated answer. If a Catholic is getting married outside the church without the church's permission, which means that they've gone through proper Catholic formation, the answer is you, you should not go to that wedding. And I would take it a step further and say that it is if you do that with knowledge of it, that it is in fact sinful uh, for one to go to that wedding. And it, <coughs> family division and all of that stuff aside, uh, hopefully we we were able to theologically give it to you there uh, as to why that would be sinful and not permissible. And on the other end, we just simply need, as Father Dosh is saying, to have a little bit more uh, thorough conversation in society for the good of the or soul. Just, or just reasonability. Like, just to be reasonable with people and not to go to these extremes immediately that... If I, you know, say something that I'm against you, that I hate you, you know, it's... Well, here's here's the other thing, too. It'd be like, you know, because we got all these seminarians, a whole room full of seminarians here. You know, if the seminarian came to the bishop and was like, you know, I want to rewrite the liturgy. You know, I'm going to get ordained, you know, out at my lake cabin. You know, the bishops would be like, no, you're not getting ordained out at the lake cabin. You're going to do it the way the church has asked, you know, you to do it because... The sacrament doesn't belong to us, everybody. We don't get to come to God and be like, hey, you're going to do it my way, Lord. You know, the Lord is coming back and saying, you know, this is the way that I laid the foundation of for, 
and you know we come to receive it. I've, I've often, you know, it's like the pluckers at Holy Communion. And you're like the body of Christ, and they snatch it out of your hand. The claw, the, the claw, right? The pluckers, the pickers. Um, you know, don't do that. Why? Because you, you know, either it be on the tongue or whether you're receiving it into the hand. The key word is that you are receiving from Christ, who is God, and and. You know, it's just like the scriptures say when they're like, "What do we do to do the works of God? Listen to the one He sent." So we don't have to do anything. We try to live good lives, but we show up to receive the sacraments from Christ, which is our salvation. And marriage is the exact same thing. We don't get to decide what marriage looks like. We don't get to decide what ordination looks like. I don't get to come out and celebrate mass with beer and pizza. You know, the list goes on. Form and matter are determined by Christ, and the church safeguards that. And so when we violate those things, it, it is sinful, and we should not be supporting it. You wouldn't support coming to Father Josh's Mass if all of a sudden he was using cotton candy for the Eucharist. Right. Right? That would be, people would be horrified. I like cotton uh, candy. Uh, they would be you know, calling the bishop. They would stop coming to that Mass. And that's the exact same thing with this type of invalid wedding. We just can't see it because it's supposed to be about the couple's day, and it's more familial and all of this sort of we stuff. We should get so, some cotton candy. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we need on this show is a cotton candy machine. machine. If you want to donate that yeah. to the Sons of Thunder. Call one 795 and donate that cotton candy machine. Uh, to or the, call in with your questions, whatever it might be. Call in with your questions. You can get on Facebook uh, and, and type in. That being said... Uh, we, I want to get back to uh, the, the Amazonian Synod <laughs> because this is, I'm You're telling you, a dead horse I'm here, not man. beating a dead horse because this thing, come fall, I want everybody to listen to the prediction, come oh, this boy, fall. prophecy. Here we comes some pro- music for that? Yeah, yeah do we have <laughs> this, you know, is, this is private prophecy. So, this coming fall, you are going to see uh, just a tremendous amount of topics and discussion in the church. And you, I mean, you saw that, the last one. Was that your prediction? Uh, that, that, that we had. That's my prediction. There's going to be well, it's a, a synod. Of course there's going to yeah, be a synod. But I'm talking, it's going to be all over the place. That with is a crappy tra- with prophecy. That's all I'm <laughs> Oh, hey, we got an anonymous. What is the status of a retired Catholic couple who get married, second marriages after death of both spouses, in in a Catholic church witnessed by a priest, but not registered civilly in order not to lose pensions from deceased ah. spouse. Well, that's just a great way around the government. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm going to... I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I think the marriage would be valid. I want to yeah. read that. I want right? to read that once again. What is the status of a retired Catholic couple? who get married, second marriages after death of both spouses. Uh, so, obviously, they're able to get married. It's valid. In a Catholic yeah. church, witnessed by a priest, but not registered civilly and ordered not to lose pensions from a spouse. deceased that's, spouse. That, that's valid a, or invalid? Valid. valid. Okay. So, it's a it's sacramental marriage. Marriage until death do you part. Right. So. right. And it's a sacramental marriage. It's just, I don't know legality-wise. It's illegal, though. Well, I don't know. I know that for sure because and yeah. that would get the priest into a tremendous amount of trouble because we're official ministers of the state. That's, why that's when, right. You're right. That's why when you're done with each marriage, you have the, Sign the, the best man and the maid of honor come back, and the first thing they do is send that or sign that, and then it's sealed immediately and married off to the state for tax reasons. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So uh, I, I, I don't know, but I, I'm pretty sure Like, if all of a sudden we started hiding marriages, that would be a... 
tax code violation. But for the re- yeah, for the record, it is a valid marriage. It's definitely it's a valid, valid sacramental yeah, marriage. Yeah, it's definitely valid. But it's probably illegal yeah. in the area. And the diocese would pick up on it. So eventually, us priests just can't go out and marry whoever we want. They have to go through the the proper. Uh, pre-marriage steps right. and the diocese has to approve of all of those before the wedding actually takes place. Right, and you so know what? This I want to get you know, get back for a second to the invalid marriage because this speaks into that. We can't do with the law whatever we want. So if all of a sudden Father Justin Waltz up in Minot is like, I don't think people should pay marital taxes anymore, <laughs> and so I'm going to like start covering up marriages, and the IRS of the state of North Dakota finds out about that, I'm going to be in a whole hoopla of trouble. Because I did what I wanted to do with the law, right. and you can't yeah. just do whatever you want to do with the law. So why would we be able to be able to do that with spiritual law? And I think a very good distinction in that is that the law is for our good. It helps us choose what is good and right and helps us live a better life. So these laws that the church prescribes or that the state provides uh, help us choose what is correct and good for us to live good and faithful lives. So though it may seem oppressive, it is actually incredibly freeing because we will live better lives. They're good prescriptions for us on, on how to be good people and what the church prescribes uh, helps us uh, be good Catholics. Again, 877-795-0122 or get online and Facebook on in. You can come in anonymous. You can call in, give us your name, anything. Uh, we're always here to answer your questions. I want to go uh, back to the Amazon Synod. <laughs> <laughs> You're beating a dead horse. <laughs> I was just I was messing with it. But in some way, we have uh, Jacob Degley, one of our seminarians, and you know, I, maybe maybe just to talk a little bit about how you've experienced celibacy, <clears throat> you know, thus far. Maybe the you know going through the process of realizing that you're you know you won't have a family as a natural family as such, and what what that's been like in your heart, just so people can hear that it isn't just all about this married not married. I mean, there's a, there's a process that guys go through to actually come to an understanding of of celibacy. Yeah, so celibacy, <clears throat> I personally my, my heart's been uh, formed more and more in the last uh, five or six years in growing in love with with uh, with this gift of celibacy and it's important to understand it as being a gift um that not every man who enters a seminary is able to receive that gift god doesn't give a gift to everyone um but what i've noticed is it certainly is sacrificial um in a certain aspect of yeah you have to sacrifice um having a natural wife and biological children certainly but when when a man truly does receive uh the gift of celibacy he receives the desires of christ's heart himself um and christ's celibate heart is in love um, with all people, um, and so he he's able to fall in love with every every person that he encounters in a in a real way, in a real self-sacrificial way. Um, and so, as I you know, am God willing, two years out from ordination, um, I, I, there certainly is a sacrifice in in, in giving up you know a, a natural marriage, but there's a, a much greater desire there to lay down my own life for the entire people of God and to, to spend myself in their service as a, as a chaste spouse. In Absolutely. That way. I could confirm that too. I, I, all through, well, Father Dosh is presently a chaplain, but Father Josh, uh, and Josh Waltz, my, the other son of thunder here and myself, cool. we were, Josh and we were chaplains back in the day. And we were right out of the, the gates after ordination. Uh, we were, you know, assigned to Catholic high schools. And during my four years, uh, you know, as a, as a chaplain, 
I experienced the beginnings of spiritual fatherhood in such an amazingly rich way. Like, if you, I mean, you, you're told all these things. And, you know, as a seminarian, you're, well, everybody's doing a holy hour now. Back in my day, it was like maybe a quarter of the guys were. But, you know, you're, and you're receiving that from Christ, you know. So, like, you, you start, you know, bonding with the Lord in the holy hour in, in ways that you can't really describe to anybody else. But there, there's a union there. You're not alone, you know. Right. And so it's like, okay. And then you kind of take that leap of faith into it, and it was just like, boom, all of a sudden, I've got more kids than I could possibly imagine, you know? And so they're like, well, you know, the, the, there's going to be loneliness and celibacy, and I found, like, you know, I needed more loneliness. Like, there was no time in my day whatsoever that I wasn't... Well, even maybe solitude, right? But right everyone has to deal with loneliness. Just because someone's in the bed with you doesn't mean you can't yeah, be there's lonely. A lot, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of lonely. Well, here's the thing, Lots too. Of lonely I, th- too. I think that people... One of the reasons for this whole... You know, married clergy, all that. I think it's really because people don't pray. Right. Well, so they, if you yeah. don't pray, you don't understand that there is this real lived relationship with the person of Christ, which is enough. Well, and part of it's the whole oversexed culture, right? right? In which you're saying, well, unless you're not sexually active, well, then how can you possibly be happy? And on the other end, that's what I, I, I get. They're the most miserable people. <laughs> right. I'm like, every celibate priest I know, and seminarian for that matter, especially those who are doing the Holy Hour, is like the happiest people you've ever met. Yeah. And the amount of counseling that we provide to people that you know are really suffering in their marriages. It's also an eschatological sign of, of heaven. Like we said, marriage is until death do you part. Mm-hmm. But for the priesthood, it's a, an indelible mark on your soul, meaning that you will be a priest in heaven as well. Right. I'm just getting ready. Yeah, yeah. So, I wonder what I'm going to look like in heaven. If I get hopefully there. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I, I love, if you look in uh, the, the Last Judgment of Michelangelo <laughs> in the Sistine Chapel, you look at all the people up in heaven, yeah. they're just like jacked, bodybuilder, <laughs> like Olympians. And you look at like John the Baptist, right. and he's like, you know, 250 pound, like jacked. And it's like, this guy ate locust and like wild honey. You don't get that jacked, eat locust and <laughs> wild honey. It's like protein shit. No, no, no. no. But they, they have their glorified bodies up there. You know, no one's ashamed. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful thing. Which is a great point. I, th- this has just been resonating with me since Easter this year. I got, I've been thinking a lot about the Lord's glorified body. That is the goal of the entire faith, everybody. So when you're sitting there living a life of prayer, trying to live a li- life of virtue, going to confession, going to regular mass, raising your kids in the faith, uh, you know, suffering maybe the conversion of your spouse, being faithful to your spouse, doing all the things that the Catholic faith is you know, welcoming you into, uh, and striving for, for heaven. What we mean by that is that someday you are going to rise from the dead and you are going to get a brand new body. And this body is the goal of the faith, your eternal glory and salvation. And from what I can tell, it's one heck of a piece of equipment. I mean, at the, at the end of the day, you're able to fly like Jesus does. As John said, we don't know what we're going to be, but we're going to be exactly like him because we're going to see him as he is, which means that your resurrected body is going to be like his resurrected body. We have uh, one. We have two questions. One we're not going to get to, but we will get to it next week if uh, our producers can take note of this. The question is, is that we should address our thoughts on non-Catholic godparents within baptism. We will address that next time we are on. And finally, a question on Facebook from Colton: Who is your favorite seminarian? We know that that's Colton Steiner, one of our seminarians, and uh, that 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 question's impossible to answer. So I just love all the guys. I'm proud of them all. They're they're Bob great. Johnson is mine. <laughs> Great witness to the faith. There is no Bob Johnson, by the way. I don't, maybe there is out there. Maybe he's listening right now. Maybe he's a seminarian. 
Anyway, we're happy to have everybody on. Thanks for all your questions, all your call-ins. This has been Straight Talk Talk with the the Brothers. Brothers. We're going to see you on the backside of this break in which we will be talking with Bishop John Lavore. God bless you all. We'll see you soon.